Good morning, church. Uh, let's turn to the scriptures, then as they are found in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. And we will read a few verses from Colossians chapter 3. And then we will read also a few verses from a sister passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, the subject this morning will center on the title Husband, Love Your Wife. Husband, Love Your Wife. Deliberately made it singular so that it, it might singularize and not pluralize. Lest many a husband hide in plurals rather than singular. So then let's commence reading in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Our verse of consideration this morning, husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord you will knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we will read from verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. But I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife 
see that she respects her husband. In the previous week, that is the week before last, we started looking at this passage of scripture in Colossians chapter 3 from verses 18 onwards. You will notice from the reading of the scriptures that actually the Apostle Paul here is dealing with relationships within the context of a home. He is trying to give directions on how different people within the home setting ought to relate and how they ought to behave one towards the other. And he pronounces certain very critical issues that each and every member in that setting ought to be wary of and to know. He starts with the relationship between wife and husband, father and children, children and parents, slaves and masters. And he is laying very fundamental truths, which if followed, the presumption is that there would be a panacea, there would be an antidote, there would be the medication for the proper running of a home. And if your mind serves you right, we began that other week by looking at the role of the wife. And the gist of the matter in our sermon was to emphasize that any good, godly, fearing woman has a duty, a godly duty to submit to their husbands. And we thus expounded on the question of submission, what it is, the context in which the Apostle Paul is using it, and we applied that to the understanding of our women folk. And this morning, Allow me to draw your attention to the duties and the expectations of the husband in the home setting. Now, I do not want the women to cry foul this morning uh, that uh, I, I, I have been partial because I am a man and therefore my inclination is to support the men folk, I will deliver my sermon this morning in the very same context within which I delivered it when I was presenting the role of the wife. So that we are at par. We start from the same on your marks and get set and go, so that others do not cry foul. So what is it that I am going to do this morning in looking at that verse 19 of Colossians chapter 3? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I'm going to do three things to bring the point home from that particular portion of scripture. And the three things that I'm going to do is firstly, I would want to contextualize the text, contextualize the passage. In what context is this command being given to the husbands? And then secondly, 
I will explain the passage. I will explain the passage. What does it mean when the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them? And then lastly, we will make application of the passage. So you will notice that I am taking the same route which I did when I was explaining the submission part of the wives. Then let's turn to the passage and in the first place then contextualize the passage. Let's contextualize the passage. Now notice in the first place that the injunction or the command given for the husband to love the wife is against a backdrop of the position that the husband occupies in the family. The background is this, that the husband is the head of the wife. And since the husband is the head of the wife, the apostle says he is supposed to be weary. He is supposed to take care of certain things as the head of the house or as the head of the wife. He is supposed to take care and should not falter in any way to uphold and make sure that those three things are in place. First of all, he should receive submission from his wife. That is explained in the sister passage of Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The reason? For the husband is the head of the wife. So the submission comes in with the backdrop of the husband being the head. But secondly, the husband should love his wife. And you see the backdrop to which that command is given is this. Husbands, in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ being the example, Christ being the head of the church, Christ being the leader and the savior of the church, the husband is being encouraged or the husband is being told that because you are the head and you want to be an example of that which Christ is to the church, you are supposed to love your wife. So there is the headship on which also love lays its head on. Then thirdly, since the husband is the head of the family, he should not provoke his children to anger. He should, you see, the point that I want us to get is this. Headship is not a leeway to undo what is written here. Rather, headship should be the framework in which the husband should gladly receive submission from the wife, the husband should gladly love the wife, and the husband should gladly not provoke the children. It is within the context of the headship. But it's rather unfortunate that many a husband are concerned and very particular with submission because they are the head 
at the expense of loving and not provoking their children because they are the head. Do, do you ever notice that? Because they are the head, then they will roar, I am the head, submit! Because the child has done something extremely wrong, instead of correcting them properly, I am the head, I will pounce and crush on you. Uh, rather, rather, I would suggest it should be like this. I am the head and I love and cherish you. Wouldn't that be in order? Oh, it would be in order. Oh, I am the head. Sit down here, my child, and listen to my counsel. Would that not be in order? Of course it would be in order. Husbands, take heed to that. Headship should not only be in the forefront when it comes to submission. Headship should be in the forefront when it comes to loving. Headship should be in the forefront when it comes to taking care of the children. It is on that solid ground of headship where we can say we are true husbands. Them that are loving and caring and they chide and chide their children with great love and gentleness and meekness so that they show them the way of the Lord. Well, that's the context. That's the context in which I want to explain the passage of scripture this morning. Now, having given us that context, now let's get to the explanation of verses 18, or is it 19? Verses 19 of Colossians, chapter 3. Verses 19. Now I want us to look at that verse very closely. And here is what it says. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, notice two essential things. Notice two essential things for husbands in that particular passage of scripture. Number one is that husbands should love their wives. That's the first injunction there. That's the first command. That's what the apostle is encouraging the men that are married. He is saying, husbands, love your wives. But secondly, husbands, do not be harsh to your wives. Here is the import of that statement. Loving and harshness cannot go together. Because one is in the positive, the other is in the negative. They can't go together. So we shouldn't hear a husband that says, I love you, and when he is speaking to the wife and asking why they have cooked a meal such as that, then who taught you how to cook? Woman! Who? The, the two cannot be so. Because in the latter, the harsh word that is used to the wife has nothing of the component of a caring and loving husband. It has nothing. Rather, it has everything to do with animosity and hatred. The very thing that the apostle is saying ought not to be done by husband. So, two essential things. Love, husbands, love your wives. Secondly, husbands, do not be harsh 
to your wives. Do not be harsh to your wives. Now, dear friends, let's get on to explaining those two essentials. Because we want to see how the husband ought to love the wife, isn't it? Uh, let's explain those two essentials. The essential number one, husbands loving their wives. Now, let me give you just three. There might be many ways. But I want to stick, I want to stick to this passage of scripture and the sister scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 in explaining what it means for husbands to love their wives. There might be several other explanations and indeed several other examples, but oftentimes examples are short. Usually examples are short of the biblical extent to which a husband should love the wife. To that extent, I'll be very wary this morning not to give examples, yeah, not even of myself saying I love my wife. But what does the scripture say? In loving their wives, firstly, husbands should give themselves up for their wives. Notice what the scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself, the import there is this, husbands, give yourselves up for your wives. Give yourselves up for your wives. Now, in giving themselves up for their wives, this is what husbands should do. Husbands should sacrifice their well-being for the sake of the wife. Husbands ought to sacrifice their well-being for the sake of the wife. Being a fragrant offering to God on, on, on behalf of their wives. That's what husbands are there to be. Look at what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says in collaboration with verse 25 of the passage of the same chapter. Chapter 2, the apostle Paul has this injunction there. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So how old husbands give themselves up for the sake of their wives as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In other words, when husbands give themselves up for the sake of the wife or sacrifice for the sake of the wife, that sacrifice which they make should when it is smelled in the nostrils of God be a sweet smelling aroma. It should be a fragrance. It should be a perfume to which if God were to comment at that particular point in time, he would say, good, well done, good and faithful servant for loving your wife. Do you think there is any such a moment when God would have said to you as a husband? Do you? Husbands. Silence means conviction. You know, so husbands should sacrifice their well-being. They should be able in that sacrifice to make sure, as the Apostle Paul would elsewhere give us a command of saying, ah, please, let it be your attitude always to lift up others more than yourself. If it is in a home, 
then the wife is such a person to whom the husband should truly sacrifice. They ought to. They ought to. Should I give an odd example here? I said an odd example usually sometimes does not qualify much. Oh, what manner of a husband when they are in Woolworth, they're trying to get a jacket because theirs is torn inward, outward. But lo and behold, they behold this nice suit for the wife. And he takes that money and buys the suit for the wife at the expense of his torn jacket. This is a hard teaching for husbands. It is, because it is sacrificial. It is sacrificial in the same manner in which the death of Christ was sacrificial to the church. So the loving of the husband to their wives ought to be sacrificial. But in giving themselves up, the husbands should not only sacrifice for their well-being for the sake of their wives, but husbands should carry the burdens of their wives. They should carry the burdens of their wives. They should live and love their wives in an understanding way. Let me read First Peter. Let me read First Peter and chapter three. First Peter chapter three, and we read verse seven. And the scripture says. Likewise, after talking about Sarah, uh, calling Abraham, uh, my Lord, that Lord who lied, anyway, but he still called him my Lord. You see how submissive these women can be? Hmm? Even to liars such as Abraham, no, he was not a liar, he was called of God. Uh, providentially, it had to be that he speaketh that so that the will of the Lord might be fulfilled. So verse 7, Sarah did this to Abraham. And this is what husbands are called to do. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The point that I want to draw your attention to is this that in carrying the burdens of your wives, carry it in an understanding way. If ever there is a great accusation that comes our way as men in the homes, is women saying to us, you are not understanding me. They even pause my sisters and they say What is your response? And you are out of the house, isn't it? I am a victim to that. God have mercy on me. But the scripture says, look, carry the burdens of your wife in an understanding way. When she says, sit down here, I have something to tell you. Sit. Tap it called government. Uh -uh. It's not. It's a scriptural. It's just scriptural. Sit and let them say, sir. My wife, I understand you. But let me also postulate my position. And as you are postulating your position, you expect that she will be under submission, isn't it? Yes, it's scriptural. Those are two Siamese twins, isn't it? They are. They are. You can't do one without the other. So, in 
husbands giving themselves up for their wives, they ought not only to sacrifice for their wives, but carry the burdens of their wives. But not only that, husbands should outwit their wives in being benevolent towards them and showing honor to them. Husbands should outwit. Now, where am I getting that? I'm getting that from Genesis. And what was the injunction in Genesis in the marriage institution? And a man shall leave father and mother and be enjoined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Who has started the other? Who has started the other? The one who lives Vanyina Nababwish. He is. So when you leave your father and mother and get enjoined to this one, what are you saying? What are you saying? You are saying, here is one to whom I ought to express my total love. Because, yes, I was getting the love in the house of my father and my mother. But lo and behold, there is something so special with this one that I leave my father and my mother so that I get enjoined to this one. And in expressing that living and cleaving at the center of it is this man should and ought to outwit the woman in loving her. Then we understand the reason why you left. Otherwise, if you don't want to love her, can't she work it anymore? Yaman. Work it anymore. You get the point? But you can't. Because that which God has put together, let no man put asunder this God. He wants you to express your love towards your wife. You see, husbands should love their wives not only by giving themselves up, but husbands should sanctify their wives. The loving with which a husband ought to love this woman ought to be a love and loving component that will lead to the sanctification of the wife. Friends, we are stepping on spiritual grounds here. We are husbands. We are stepping on dangerous grounds here. The spiritual apex of a husband's love towards his wife is fully attained in the work of sanctification. It is incumbent upon the husband as the head of the wife to engage the wife in spiritual sanctification, always attending to the spiritual warfare of the wife. Can I suggest to you, that in that attendance to the sanctification of the wife lies the greatest love of the husband. Where did the greatest love of Christ lie? Dying for the church. But not only dying and leaving it there desolate. No, but by sending it the comforter. And what was the work of the comforter? To sanctify to sanctify so that each and every moment the church might move from one degree of glory to the other changed being more in the likeness of Christ. If you are the head of the wife and if your example is Christ as the head of the church dear friends here is the honors which lies upon you. Here is the honors which lies upon you. The reason for pursuing this love towards the wife is simple. This sanctifying love towards the wife is simple. 
Just as Christ sanctifies us because we are co-heirs with him, so the wife is a co-heir of the grace of life with the husband. They are beds of the same feather in the kingdom of God. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This relationship and partnership of being co-heirs finds its fulfillment, dear friends, in the praying together as work of sanctification in our lives. And how should that be done? In the spirit of the husband loving the wife. If the husband is not loving the wife, it doesn't matter which, which aspect you look at. Instead of lunch, it's at 12 o'clock, it's at 16 hours. And you are asking, but why am I having lunch at 16 hours? So that at least The reason is so simple. Where lies the problem? The husband. Most of the time, the husband, not the wife. It's because you are not expressing that love to the wife. Dear friends, we ought to. We have a duty. We need as husbands to sanctify our wives. That's what we need to do. Husbands should thirdly show the love for their wives by presenting their wives in splendor. The scriptures are clear there. In Ephesians. In Ephesians. Chapter 5, verse 26. Christ gave himself up for the church that he might sanctify the church. And that having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle, indeed holy and without blemish. Can I suggest this then? That if husbands have agreed to take the role of being the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And we are being told here the duty of Christ is to be at work always shaping, breaking and molding and recreating this church so that they might be sanctified with this view and aim so that he might Present this bride before the Father in total splendor. That's what Christ is aiming. So that when he returns to take his bride and present it before the Father, he will not be ashamed of the bride. But he will present it without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, and at the apex of it, holy. Dear friends, in loving our wives, we ought to present these, our wives, in splendor. We ought to present them in splendor. Now, let me read you one portion of scripture to which perhaps we can connect this, although the apostle is talking about something else there. But really, he is talking about the church and his concern for the church. And I want us just to pick something from there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we shall read verses 1 and 2. Uh, here, here is what the Apostle Paul, in agony for the church at, at Corinth, he says, 
I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness, you people. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. He's talking about the church at Corinth. He says, look, it is my duty to be jealousy regarding your warfare and your spiritual state. It is my duty. I betrothed you as it were. And I betrothed you not only to myself but to Christ himself. So that I present you as a pure virgin to Christ. That should be our aim. Let's get a leaf from there, husbands. That we should be able to present our wives in splendor, in purity, in the interim, jealously guiding them in the realm of love so that they might be pure virgins in the sight of God. We have a duty, dear friends, and much you will see here that we are talking about the spiritual realm. And that which should translate into the physical actions. It's not the other way around. No, no. It's not the other way around. Yes, it is good, dear friends, for you to purchase presents for your wife. No doubt they will be happy they will receive it with gladness unless there are something else. But much more, how in the eyes of Christ and God is our love perfected when we are as husbands sanctifying these people, we are as husbands aiming and trying by all means to make sure that we present this bride of ours before Christ pure and blameless. If that was our aim, dear brethren, the conversations in the home, the interaction between husband and wife will not only be filled with the physical mundane things of this world, but it will be saturated with the spiritual May I suggest that it is on the spiritual on which true husband love is based on. Miss that, you would have completely missed everything. The spiritual gets the other things flowing. It's not the other things getting the spiritual flowing. So that's what it means to love your wives. But we said there are two injunctions in Colossians chapter 2. Husbands, love your wives. And we have said, in loving our wives, that is what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Okay? But also, there is another injunction. Do not be harsh. Husbands, do not be harsh to your wives. You see, the Apostle Paul is saying this. Let not the spirit of intolerance engulf our saintly men in the churches of God. Instead, we are demonished to do three things for us to avoid being harsh with our wives. I know Limolimo Virazanda Oh, you get the point. Where the husband comes fuming, I'm telling you, what he can do. You know, and the wife is wondering. You get the point. But you see, dear friends, as much as you might be pushed to that corner, be saintly enough. Pray that the God of heaven, who is so saintly, 
who is so meek, who is so kind, who is so loving to this erring church is ever there nourishing them. Ever there. He is ever there. Now, let me explain again. What do the scriptures mean when they say husbands do not be harsh to your wives? Again here, let me suggest to you three things. Number one, husbands, to avoid being harsh to their wives, should love their wives as their own bodies. Yes, it is written there. It is written there. It says, husbands, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. It is clear there that husbands do not be harsh with your wives because these wives are your own body. None among the men is so cruel as to hate their bodies and start mutilating them. Instead, we love our bodies so much so that a little pain drives us to attend to it with much care and effort. The reason for such care is simple. What affects one part of the body affects the entire body. In the same manner, the care and effort and love which we give to our wives should be felt and have a deeper reaction to our inner beings and emotions. That's what we need to be like, dear brethren. None of us is harsh to our bodies. How quick we are when we have a headache to run and get some Panadol. Because part of our body, which is affecting the whole body, is in trouble. And we are so quick to do that. But here is part of your body, not even part as if it is in the eyes or head or toe or feet. No, but it is the whole of your body, which is your wife. And this wife, you want to be harsh to her. Does that make sense? It's like you being harsh to your own body. That's, that's the point that the apostle is saying. It's like being harsh to your own body. Which one of you takes a knife and says, You get the point? And you just take a knife. You By the time the week ends, you have no feet. But that's the injunction, dear friends. Because they are our own bodies. We cannot and we ought not to be harsh with them. We ought not to be harsh with them. It's a good topic for the couples because it can be extended further. At this juncture, I will stop explaining at that point. Husbands, they are your own bodies. Don't be harsh to them. But why, secondly, what is the reason why to avoid being harsh to them? We should avoid being harsh to them because we are supposed to cherish them. We have read there what the Apostle Paul is saying. Nobody hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes. Now, do not be harsh to your wives, rather cherish them. In cherishing them, we should be alert to handling them with care. Now, the Apostle Peter gives a reason 
why we need to cherish them. He gives a reason why we need to handle them with care. He says, because they are a weaker vessel. Don't be harsh with them. They are a weaker vessel. Which woman in the kitchen takes a glass and takes the scrolling wire? You know that Sophia wire. You get the point? And you pick up a glass and you take that and you. Why are you cleaning this glass with that? Therefore, it can't. It's impossible. You are using a harsh instrument to clean such a weaker, gentle vessel. Is that not our problem most of the times, men? Is that not our troubles? That is our troubles, ladies. Oh, gentlemen, not ladies. But adventure, the ladies didn't know. That's our problem, ladies and gentlemen, as men. Failure to being careful, failure to being gentle, failure to cherish these our wives is more often than not a source of all the drama in the homes. It is. It is. We ought to cherish them. Not only cherishing them in the words of, oh, I love you, baby. No, yeah, yeah. You know, even, even lunatics say that in the streets. Even lunatics say that in the streets. They will hold their, I, 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 I love you. Uh, 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 uh. That's not cherishing. That's not cherishing. It goes beyond those words. It reaches the inner man. It sits at the center of the heart of this husband. So that when he speaks and says to the wife, I love you. I cherish you. He is saying to them, I hold you so gently and so caring to the extent that I know you are pliable and you are easily breakable. And if you are that, may the honors be upon me to cherish you. Gentlemen, is that what we do to our wives? Is that what we do? Somebody was just telling me this morning, he says, no, that's a very wrong question to ask the gentlemen. Ask the women, they will tell you the truth. Whether their husbands love them, they will tell you the truth. If you ask a man, do you love your husband? Oh, we are so quick. Now last week, Nalishta Sabato. Do you love your, your wife? Yes. We were wedding in Arishita wedding. Do you love your wife? Yes, I do. Already the important Arishita. Do you love your wife? Yes, I do. What happened? I changed all the carpets in the bedroom. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, if the carpets could talk, if the carpets could have a voice and explain, they would say, there is no cherishing in the eyes and the actions of this man. And then you would retort to them, shut up. Oh, dear friends. But lastly, why we ought not to speak harshly to these, our ladies, is because we have an injunction that we should nourish our wives. Now, brethren, we are wary of malnourished wives in the church. We are very weary of malnourished wives in the church. Now, I speak not of the physical malnourishment, but of the spiritual malnourishment. And where is it coming from? Uh, there is someone who is not doing their duty. 
there is someone who is not doing their duty. No wonder we have got this marasmus and no wonder we have got this kwashoka. No wonder we have got these children, spiritual children in the form of women filling our church to the extent that sometimes it's sad to learn that many of these our women fail to understand even the very simplest of the dogmas to which we hold on to. Meanwhile, ask the husband and they will explain to you in detail. Ask the husband they will, like Mr. Lungu, stand in the pulpit and preach and lavish the word of God on you. Oh, but nay, look at Mrs. Lungu, spiritually nourished and nourished. The reason is simple. You are being harsh to them. You are not supplying the nourishment that they need. You are not spending good time spiritually with them. And if you're not doing that, the opposite will take charge. The harshness will rear its ugly head. Nourish them. Nourish them. It is the husband's duty to nourish, polish, and cleanse the wife. Failure to which you will be ashamed to present her in splendor before our God. I hope, I hope it won't be on the day of judgment. I hope God won't parade us with our wives. And if he, if he parades us with our wives, I hope you'll be asking individually. And then I'll push my wife first in front. So that you move what she says. Where are you being nourished? That will be terrible. Where are harsh words being spat on you? Limo, every time. Okay? Being afraid that the angel Gabriel might say, I can't shift. You'll be saved as through fire. You get the point. So that one appeared if you should wish you the husband. Okay? Oh, I hope it won't be like that. I hope that when we enter, assuming that we will enter with husband and wife, I don't think so. Each one of us will be raptured individually as it will, and each one of us will be caught up to meet with him in the air. Okay? But per adventure it happens that way. Oh, what a blessing it would be if God stooped down, if Christ looked at you and with that smile pats you on your shoulder and say, yes, you have presented your wife in splendor without blemish, without spot, holy and acceptable in our sight. How great that would be. How great that would be. Oh, then I will stride. You know how husbands like such things. You know? Uh, it is in our nature. Oh, when the child passes at school, who is there that strides most in front? My child. It's the husband. When they do wrong, hmm? oh, on that, I will stride and say, my wife. Now, Mona Angel Gabriel, <laughs> I did my job. Or oh, it will be a sad story. Oh, but let me finally apply. We have looked at the context in which this statement is made. We have given an explanation of what it means to love your wives and not to be harsh to your wives. Now, let me give application of the passage. 
Now let me start this. That in the man living and cleaving to his wife lies his acceptance and taking the mantle upon himself to love the wife, to cherish her, to nourish her, and not be harsh towards her. When the man is settled in mind and comprehends and understands his duties as a husband to be, he can leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. May I suggest that if such a thought of loving, cherishing and nourishing your spouse is far remote from your soul, if you are not yet married, please can I advise you, still cling to your father and mother. Cling to them. At least you get the point. So if that is not in your soul, dear friends, don't contemplate. Young men, don't. Not Don't. You are not yet ready for marriage. If you are with a wife and the expanse of your love towards her is limited to mundane things and your spiritual duties neglected, then pray that God might give you grace. I'm speaking to the married now. If your love is only restricted to mundane things and is not coupled with the spiritual wisdom with which a man ought to lead the wife, then, dear friends, pray to the Lord that he might supply you with much grace, that in that grace you might find the fountain of love flowing from your heart towards your wife, so that you might find in your heart the fountain of love which will be nourishing and cherishing your wife, the fountain of love that will not be harsh to your wife. See, but secondly, in second application, headship is all about loving and not being harsh. Headship is all about loving and not being harsh. I know as in our culture we come from a background where the opposite is true. Where headship is regarded as being speak with the voice of the lion. When you speak with the voice of the lion everyone when you arrive at home should be scampering. They should be scampering. Okay? Your wife should do... You get the, the point. Attention! Your children into their bedrooms. Wah! Now there, sir. And you stroll into that sitting room and you sit. And you sit looking like a lion. And everyone is supposed to come and salute you, and and everyone is supposed to be kukunkula. Everyone is supposed. Oh yeah, there is a forum for doing that. But look, you are not a lion. Oh, even the lion of Judah had such a characteristic that he laid down his life for his friends. Even the, the lion of Judah had this characteristic, he was gentle, lowly, and meek at heart. So dear friends, husbands, if you are here, please, I plead with you, by the mercies of our God, do not abuse your headship in the home. It is meant for loving and cherishing and caring. Okay. The next application. Husbands have a sacrificial duty in order to present their wives in all purity. We have a sacrificial duty, dear friends. 
as Christ sacrificed himself for this church which was dirty, which was in the gutter, which was sinful. He offered his own life for that church so that he might purify it and make it whole and present it all before the throne of God. So it should be that husbands, let, be, let it be our pattern. Let it be our duty. Let it be our assignment and indeed our very urgent assignment that in whatever we do for our wives, we ought to be sacrificial. And in our sacrifice, we ought to express that true love of uh, the love of Christ that says all is forgiven. Love shines brighter than all your sins. But lastly, may I connect in application with what I said the other week. That submission on part of the wife and loving on the part of the husbands are just but two sides of the same coin. One cannot exist without the other. When one is executed, the other should follow suit. When one is neglected, the other will fall sick. How often it is true that the one that is neglected is often that one which is supposed to be executed by men. And the one which is always shining is the one that is executed by women. Oh, that it might be the reverse. As it is the reverse within the relationship of Christ and the church. While the church submits, Christ excels that submission. He gives his own life for this living being called the church. Husbands. The call is very clear. Whether your wives, you married them yesterday, or whether you have been with them for ages, whether they are still looking young and fresh, or drooping in their stature, they still ought to be loved. At the center of every home, at the center of every marriage, lies this great task of the husband loving the church and the wife submitting to the husband. Amen.